Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Phil Bliss and this is Canada's podcast. Today we're going to do a special and take a close look at the hybrid workforce and how much it has progressed in the past, well, I guess the past three years since sort of the beginning of the pandemic. According to a recent report from Deloitte's, hybrid work offers the potential for a better work-life balance. It could give workers and companies more flexibility in how, when, and where they work. And it could open the door to more inclusive work environments that accept you know, different working styles and accommodation needs. Joining me today is Stephen Harrington, partner and national leader for workforce strategy and the future of workforce work advisory for Deloitte's. Uh, uh, Stephen leads transformation to workforce strategy to fundamentally get at changes in work. And I hope today Stephen and his report will give us all a good sense of you know, how, we, how we take on the future. Stephen, welcome to Canada's podcast. It's great to have you and uh, I'm glad you spent a lot of time kind of looking at the, the kind of uh, the latest details and you know, input on, on hybrid work, which uh, we've all kind of come to, the, come to the forefront really in the last two and a half years. Um, and, and I really recommend everybody to read, to read the, the report that, that you put together. It's pretty interesting. But maybe you can just give us a, you know, a quick precy of some of the high points um, uh, you you know uh, that that you that you you feel the report uncovered. Yeah, thank you. It, I you know I think the 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 idea behind the paper was to investigate whether we could talk about Canada moving towards hybrid models um, as an opportunity for the Canadian economy. Mm-hmm. And that and that vision really plainly the way it would work is imagine a Canada of the future where more people coast to coast to coast could make different choices about how they interact with the workplace. In, in fact, in some cases, some people might remain not hybrid at all, but remote as default and work out of, you know, uh, Cape Breton or Attawapiskat or where they choose and still find some of the best job opportunities available in Canada. That kind of improvement of efficiency of labor market attachment could really drive an economy. But then we asked ourselves what could get in the way. And of course, there are a lot of things that could get in the way with a big change like this at this, at this, uh, at this level. So for an example, uh, not every Canadian has high-speed internet, internet access. In fact, a lot of Canadians don't, especially those who live outside of major city centers. So how can you make sure that if this is the next big opportunity for the economy, that it's equal? That people will have equal access to that opportunity, and and be able to participate in in the job market the way they choose. Well, you know, what what about the the change in work life? You know, we've been a, a gathering workforce, if you like, up to now, where you know we've gone to the work because you know even if we didn't enjoy the work. We, we've enjoyed the environment and the people that, that we work with. Um, 
and yeah, you know, here we are on Zoom together, and and but I mean, uh, it, it's still not the same, you know, and and I think we've all read about the mental, all the mental, the stress that 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 we that we've hit uh, as we've been kind of immersed into hybrid work, you know, without expecting it, without planning for it, if you like. Um, what about that? What about that side? I mean, I mean, did did you? Uncover any gems that 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 you know our audience of which is you know entrepreneurs and people like that who are big employers. Uh, so obviously, all of this is really affecting them. Anything there that 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 you can pass on in terms of information? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, by the statistics, it's a fascinating story. Eighty uh, percent of Canadians that worked from home during the pandemic would like to continue to work from home post-pandemic the majority of the time, which, uh, Philip, surprises me because I'm kind of sick of working from my home office. can't wait to get back to some human interaction. right? But, but at the same time, while that's true, 80% of Canadians reported suffering burnout at some point during the pandemic. You almost feel, it's almost tempting to think it's the same 80%. And, and then we have to ask ourselves, if it's been so difficult, if work intensification has been so hard, then what is it that, that makes people want to maintain this way of working? If you know, for the entrepreneurs in the audience, I will say what a massive opportunity this is. Um, we're already seeing huge growth in what we call work technology, technologies that are meant to make work easier or um facilitation of relationships across distances easier. Um, and there are a lot of problems less, left to solve. Uh, you know, for an example, uh, when I'm talking to clients, I always like to get them to think about the calendar technology we all use every day. And it's always seemed great. Aren't we glad we have modern calendar technology? We've had it for decades. But during the pandemic, what accidentally happened is people began to realize that their life was 30 minute increments that anybody could take digitally almost without permission. You think about that, that just so perfectly describes the experience of so many leaders in particular who feel like they get up at eight in the morning and are on calls until eight in the evening. It, that's, that's, it's those sorts of things that we need to actually redesign. We need to redesign work so that we offset some of those challenges that have become clearer over the last couple of years. Yeah, we were talking before we started recording about, um, you know, what, do, what does remote work? Remote work can be very remote. I mean, you know, as an employer, you know, I don't have to employ someone that lives, you know, within 50 kilometers of the office. I can employ somebody in Germany, in you know, in, in Romania, in in, in 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 Morocco. It doesn't really matter, you know, uh, if they have the right skills and what I'm looking for. What does that do in terms of, you know, where does that leave the the, the workforce? I mean, I can imagine some people getting pretty uh, upset about that type type of situation. Yeah, you know, I mean, and that's part of it. It's, it's interesting. So many of the trends that we're dealing with, of course, have started long before COVID. Oh, sure. Um, 
And, uh, you know, the growth in the gig economy in North America has been absolutely fascinating to watch. You know, up to a, th- a third of the U.S. workforce has, it, has participated in that economy at some stage in their careers. That's massive. And that happened without, you know, a political party saying, hey, this is a good idea. It's just a, a, a sea change in employment that happened almost overnight. You know, I will say that that risk also is an opportunity. Uh, I was talking to some colleagues at University of Waterloo, and they were reporting Silicon Valley companies approaching their graduates and saying, hey, we've got a job for you. Um, We'll pay you in U.S. dollars, and you never have to move to the U.S. By the way, your laptop's in a courier. So one of the ways we've been talking about this is how do you compete for talent when the cost of switching is so low for employees that they, they could literally switch laptops and be working for somebody else within a week. That's a, that's a, that's a new problem um, that, that organizations are really going to have to wrap their heads around. Yeah. And I mean, you know, seeing as we're, you know, all about entrepreneurs, uh, you know, that also feeds into the entrepreneurial mind. I mean, if you're not going into an office and say you're a couple, then um, then that gig side of it kind of can easily nudge in to the full time side. So how how does how do how do you know both sides of the coin you know deal with that? I mean. That's sort of what you said was employment practices. Is it, is, it, is it just like, yeah, it's going to happen, so you just plan for it? Or do you try and say, don't make it, you, you can't do that, and get them to sign some kind of legal stuff? Or, I'm just, you know, I, you may not have the answer. I'm just curious. Well, when we set workforce strategies, we've been facing these questions for ages. Mm-hmm. And sort of the classic is figure out what's core in your business. What are the capabilities and capacities that you absolutely need to protect to win? And those are generally the ones you want to own. You want to own them because there's probably some trades, craft, or secret to the way you do it. Because owning that talent, having them be permanently part of your business, protects the value of your business. But then there's a lot of work to the periphery and actually even work that might be transactional and dull that you could take away from your full-time workers by thinking more broadly about the people who don't want to attach to your business permanently, who'd be perfectly happy to do that work. That's sort of a, it's been an idea of talent strategy in the market for quite some time. But you know what, to be honest with you, Philip, most sort of legacy Canadian organizations, they don't they don't work that way. They're still very much dominated by full-time workforce with contractors, but very traditional versions of contractors mm-hmm. being a close second. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a this this conversation we're having about a much more distributed workforce with a lot of different types of talent available has has remained an idea in corporate Canada, not so much a practice. So it'll be really interesting to see. How quickly will entrepreneurs take these opportunities versus the the large monolithic companies in Canada who 
who have, as to, as to date, not taken much advantage at all. The, the other thing that, that really interests me is, you know, we've built a working, an ur- urban environment, you know, based on going to some work center, downtown, whatever you want to call it, um, and living in the burbs, you know, the, the, uh, especially in the, the North American economy, not so much in Europe but especially in, in the North American economy. Um, and, you know, if you've walked around Toronto, you were saying Ottawa, uh, Calgary, et cetera, in the last couple of years, you know, it ain't the same. I was talking about the path in downtown Toronto, how it was, you know, there were kids skateboarding through the path, which would have been a, a, a laughable situation. And that was at 5.30 in the evening. That's rush hour. You couldn't, you know, you know, three years ago, you couldn't move at that time of the day. I mean, which obviously means there ain't many people working in those big high-rises downtown in Toronto. What, what is, you know, what, what does all that mean in terms of, you know, it all affects the economy because all of a sudden, as you had, you had the, some numbers in, in, in the report on, you know, I thought they were very conservative numbers, but that's fine. You are accounting for it, uh, so that's fine. But, you know, about how, you know, home prices have gone basically through the roof and, you know, try leasing office space and things like that. And, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll find that that, that is, is as low as it can, as, has been since I can remember, certainly in Toronto. I don't know about Ottawa and Calgary. In those places so so much, but you know, what what is there some kind of long term kind of strategies evolving, or is it still is it still a free for all on that side? Well, I think we're about to find out. I mean, hopefully, I'm going to knock on wood as I'm saying this. Over the next few months, we're going to reopen in earnest for the first time since. Uh, since the pandemic began. And then organizations at scale are gonna start trying these hybrid strategies they've been talking about. And we'll see what the commuting pattern looks like then. But I will say, you know, in a way this is an opportunity for us to rethink something that maybe didn't make a lot of sense in the first place. If you, if you were to design a city from scratch, I doubt you would say, and then let's have everybody go to basically the same place at the same time twice per day as an efficient means of organizing a society. So on the opportunity side, we can think about it quite differently. And I also think, I think that we're going to find that new new leaseholders and renters are going to move into downtown cores. And there actually could be opportunity in that. If you think about a city like Toronto and you were, if you were a mid-sized, fast-growing company, you probably found the downtown core out of reach and its advantages out of reach. And maybe now they won't be. And if you think about the suburbs and the rural areas, talk about opportunities for entrepreneurs, there's going to be a, a whole new consumer class that spends way more time in the suburbs and rural areas than they used to, which is a which has to be an opportunity for business. Um, to think very differently about their footprint or even the services they offer. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, live, I'm, I'm going to hang with it because it's a key thing. Live work. I mean, do we really go into work two days a week? Is that the real future? Or does, does it, you know, one, one day a month, the real future? I think it's going to be a mix. We we keep talking about sort of, and, and by the way, we've done a lot of really dry and exciting workforce segmentation for some of these strategies where you actually take the strategies in an executive set and you start to think about, well, what employees will be able to work in different ways? We have to remember that 60%-ish of Canadians will go back to work. In some cases, they never stopped because they're frontline workers in one way, shape, or form. They work in a plant or retail outlet or, or what have you. Um, for the other 40%, I do think there's going to be a mix. Uh, I'll talk about three strategies that we're seeing. One is hybrid and structured. So what that means is the organization is thinking, we still want to optimize that real estate and we want people to be consistent. So we're going to tell them what days of the week to come in. You know, they'd say, Philip, you're going to be in three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Stephen, you're going to be in two days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And that's how we're going to balance our, our portfolio and our office. There's another version of hybrid, a lot like Deloitte's version, where we're saying the offices are open. Come in when you need them. Um, and that's more of an autonomous sort of hybrid approach, where we're not going to dictate what how our people use our office space, but we are going to really make our office space hard to resist. The best of technology, the best of social, all kind of trade create the workplace as a magnet. Yeah? yeah. I, I know I've got a lot of friends like that, but I mean, and some of them fairly senior, and they all seem to be saying, yeah, we're going to keep hybrid is it, and we're going to keep the office, but we've just given up. 40% of the, of the floor space. We're only gonna, we only think we need 60% of the floor space. So, you know, that's a lot of floor space to give up. So, so I, I'm just curious, you know, because, I mean, it still means less people in, in the core, okay? Well, we were talking earlier, so, you know, Toronto's pretty useful in the sense that it, it transformed it, 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 itself over the last quarter century from you know emptying out at, at, at seven o'clock at night to actually having a ton of people that actually live and work down downtown but it's not really the rule in in most north american cities uh, it they still fall into the you know the suburban kind of that 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 broke down the downtown if you like so it tends to be only a workspace, not a live space. Um, so what does that do? I mean, so there's two things. I mean, the economy's there. What does it do for that kind of the retail economies that rely on those day trippers, if you like, <laughs> everyday trippers uh, to you know to buy goods and services um, uh, on, on on one level. And and on a city level, how do you keep the city going when you lose that tax base? Basically, you know. Yeah, I I, I am I I'm on the optimistic side of this. I think every city is going to be different. Yeah. But I think we will find 
people to lease those spaces. I think there are a lot of businesses that would have loved to have been in downtown Calgary, downtown Edmonton, downtown Vancouver, that have been unable to. Now, the value proposition might change. It might change what those leases are worth over the short term. But over the longer term, that should go a long way to revitalizing those downtowns. I think they'll actually be more dynamic because there are more companies per square foot, if you will, occupying that lease space. Um, and we'll have growth outside of the core. That's the part that's exciting. That's the part where you know, we may see more shared office spaces. And around those shared office spaces, whole new retail operations opening up to serve those customers. It's about, it, you know what, I'll put it this way, Philip, if there's a country that needed to distribute itself better uh, geographically, Canada's probably a prime example. Uh, you know, we wanted to live outside of those major, major urban cores and cover our country in a lot of ways, but it's been difficult historically. This really could be the change that, that, that instigates something different when it comes to distribution. Opportunity side, you know, and, and that, you know, what I was saying, that sort of crawl, walk, run type of, type of strategy, is, is there, you know, two or three gems that you could get, give us that we should be paying a lot of attention to? Yeah, well, employers, of course, have to figure out how they're going to play this whole opportunity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one, one piece of advice that I've settled on as I've gotten smarter over the last couple of years mm-hmm. is start with your business strategy. Think about how your, your, your workforce strategy can follow that. Because I, what I worry about is that uh, some employers are going to set up hybrid work arrangements or let people work remote as default and find within a short period of time that it's not working for them. And because it's not core to the way they do business, it'll be really easy to slip um, on that value proposition or not really differentiate yourself from a competitor that's taking it very, very seriously. I'll give you an example and not start a rumor because this has absolutely not happened, but imagine that Indigenous Affairs Canada decided we don't need an office in Ottawa. What we need over time is to locate our business in the communities we serve and over time also to employ people out of the communities we serve. Now, that would be an incredibly uh, advantageous distributed model for them because of the business that they're in. I hope I hope that makes sense. That makes a lot of, okay, it makes a lot of sense. People don't know but I have a very very strong indigenous network. So it makes a heck of a lot of sense to me. <laughs> but uh that I think that's really good. That that shows that shows you the what can happen, okay? And it, what you're saying is we've probably gone through decades of centralization and maybe this is sort of the green light to say that was happening a little bit prior to the pandemic, but now that the 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 tools have improved themselves in the last three years, now's the time kind of thing to really get yeah, and the, big, the biggest thing that's changed is what we think of as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I work a lot in the public sector, and before COVID, people would have said, public sector workers can't work from home. It's impossible. What would they achieve? They wouldn't be able to get work done. And yet 
if you look at the track record of the public sector over the last couple of years, they've done more in a shorter period of time than ever before. So there really is, there's this inflection point where we've started to think differently about how we can organize work. Um, but my main point is, that's nice. But now how can it improve our business? That's truly powerful. And it's that kind of thinking that's going to reshape the Canadian economies. It's right. that kind of thinking that will take up the office space that's abandoned in downtown cores and and really solve a lot of the problems that you and I have been talking about. I like, I like that. Stephen, it's been great having you on the show. Now, I, as I said, I read the report. Uh, how can people get a hold of the report? Is there, is there a space they can go to to download it or what's, what's it? Yes, there is. And I wish I had the answer immediately for you. <laughs> ah, okay, don't worry about it. <laughs> I do not have. I'm, uh, uh, I don't know. I Google it when I'm looking for it. Um, my marketing team will kill me for not being able to answer that question. <laughs> don't worry about it. We'll put something on. So that, that's great. But it, it really has been great. Great to meet you, Stephen. Uh, and I did read the report, as you could tell. And, and uh, I, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. So. Oh, thanks for having me. I think this is a really important discussion.